Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted a sample of the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. Hey everyone, it's Kelsey and Jeff, and we are here to tell you a bit about our partner Anchor. We know that you're a fan of this podcast and maybe you thought, hey, I want to make a podcast too. Well, we have great news for you guys. We want to tell you all about Anchor. It's the easiest way to make a podcast for a few reasons, but to start out, it's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many more. Plus, you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Do it, you guys, and enjoy the show. I'm on a journey to get better, and I want to do it with you. And I'm not just focusing on physical health. I'm focusing on everything, emotional wellness, spirituality, finances, relationships, and so much more. Every week, it will be my personal goal to bring us, the world's leading healers, experts, and game changers, to share groundbreaking secrets and tips to getting better in all areas of life. Getting better isn't easy, but it's a whole lot easier when we can do it together. Welcome to Better Together with me, Maria Minnie. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to Better Together. When you know better, you get better. (laughs) It is Wednesday, September 16th, 2020. Our quote of the day, if you talk about it, it's a dream. If you envision it, it's a possibility. If you schedule it, it's a reality. That is from Tony Robbins. Of course. I'm going to schedule a hair color appointment, Mm. a haircut appointment, (laughs) and then it will become a reality because it's been since February, people! Anyway, uh, thank you guys for joining us. Happy Wednesday to our Heel Squad here on Better Together. Today we're going to be featuring a celebrated neuro-linguistic programming coach and practitioner. His name is Damon Cart, and he's going to walk us through the basics of NLP, and provide a framework to turn our dreams into realities. Uh, NLP is something that Tony Robbins talks a lot about in his seminars, and that's where I was first introduced to it. So we are going to deep dive in it. It is fascinating stuff. If you're in sales, it will help you with sales. If you're just a human, obviously it will help you. <laughs> um, but it's uh, it's pretty cool. Jeff, I know you've you've been 
chatting with Damon. What's been fascinating for you so far with this? So much, Maria. What's cool about, you just mentioned NLP is great for people who work in sales, which is Mm -hmm. true. But what's really cool about Damon is he's the world's only certified self-concept NLP coach, which is kind of like the next evolution of NLP. Um, Damon embraces a lot of what the classic NLP teachers teach, but he says that it's been built on since then. And his mentor, who's since passed away, taught him self-concept NLP, which has a lot to do with if we can shift the language and programming around our own identity, that's what allows us to unlock our purpose. So it's building on the classic principles of NLP. I say all that because for those of you who are listening who might not be in sales, Mm -hmm. this is still a way for you to reassess who you are and shift your identity which will create more willpower for whatever you want. It's really interesting. I like that. I like that. So it's basically what we're saying to ourselves, the language we're using. Mm-hmm. Like Kelsey caught me saying hate yesterday. And she's like, Saw de Simone would be so upset with you for saying <laughs> I did hate. Say that. Um, totally. And so, yeah. He yeah. says like, and I'll let him talk because he's much more eloquent than I am. But he says that an issue with your self-esteem is just the gap between who you are and what you're doing. So like if you're having problems with self-esteem, it's because you're not living into the truth of your identity. So you can do one of two things. You can either shift what you're doing to align with your purpose or do the work to shift who you are to get to know yourself better, to more closely align your identity with your goals. Ooh, this is gonna be good. He's amazing. Super excited. Well, thank you guys for joining us as always. If you are watching us on YouTube right now, click subscribe for us and join us officially and you'll get all the little notifications. You won't miss an amazing episode ever again. If you haven't followed us on Instagram, join us at Better Together with Maria. And that is going to be kind of our hub, along with our website, mariamenunos.com, that Kelsey is working on um, currently. And if you haven't joined us on Patreon, I mean, that's where it's at. And that's mm. where we are fully going to be migrating at some point so if you would join us there at whatever level you can i know it's uh, challenging times but we are offering you incredible value for those memberships we are creating some healing workshops um, wellness workshops um, mental health workshops it's going to be really amazing we did our first one with saw de simone if you're a patreon member you know that Um, if you haven't become a patreon member you can join now and be a part of that workshop and experience it even though it already happened it was amazing and there's so many more to come obviously we have ad free shows there so that's a bonus and uh an extra episode there so um please join us a lot of our kind of premium content is over there but we love you here too and so we're here with you every single day regardless um so hopefully you guys will join us we have another workshop that we're scheduling now with Catherine Woodward Thomas. I don't know why I have a difficult (laughs) time with her name, but Catherine Woodward Thomas, (laughs) who wrote Conscious Uncoupling, Mm -hmm. and she is going to do a workshop with us uh, coming soon. And her voice is... Ooh, October 3rd. It's on the books, so it's in a couple weeks, and I have a pretty clear idea. It's going to be... Fascinating. No one consulted me. No one asked Maria if she was available October 3rd. No. Maria's checking her phone. Fascinating, Jeff. We'll discuss this on a on a, a separate we'll thread. That. Oh my god! <laughs> Offline, I may have got a little antsy with that booking. But either way, Catherine's super excited. Oh it's going to be a two part meditation <laughs> to work through triggering. Um, she has practical strategies <laughs> oh where we can dive into ourselves to work with triggers, and she'll unpack those with us on air. 
and do a Q&A. So she loves this show. She's become a fan since she was on, and she's just oh, so excited to meet you guys. That's so. so cool. Well, I hope she has a great time with you on the workshop October 3rd, <laughs> uh, Jeff, since you, you only checked your schedule to make sure you are available. We may need to rebook that one. We'll see. <laughs> it's going to be amazing, whatever will, it is. I will make it work. I will make it work. But Her voice is... Uh, she was the one that you said she should lead her own meditation. I know. I yeah. know. That's right. Her voice actually. is everything. Yeah. So, uh, well, let's see here, guys. Uh, it is really fast, uh, quickly becoming fall here. Yes. Kelsey and I are awaiting our loved ones to ship us some wardrobe. Yes, we are. Um, <laughs> Joe, who uh, has been helping us, has his fall wardrobe and winter wardrobe, but we do not because yeah. we are not native east coasters technically no um so we are awaiting our fall wardrobe because it was 48 degrees this morning jeff 48 crisp beautiful totally appreciating the weather for now for now i know it's it's cute for now like i rode the bike down i was like this is lovely i'm like yeah give me two more days and i'll be like this is freezing and i hate it (laughs) really you think that long no no give me a month no i think a month yeah i think it really when it gets gross is like the snow yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't like We're going to really enjoy, like, the leaves are starting to change. It's like so there's fun. When you're on the go 24-7 like me, guys, finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity. <laughs> and that's exactly what my friends at Macy's do for me. From working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials, it's been my go-to for so many years. And having everything in one place is such a time saver for me. With being a first-time mom, for a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those and being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully our jobs and everything in between, but it's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're gonna love it. There's just like, there's like one tree here and there where you're like, whoa, that's changed already. Or yeah. a little leaf here and there. So get a little latte, a little... Pumpkin spice latte, mm-hmm. little pumpkin patch. You guys get like the um the like slowly rolling fog in the mornings, like the mist. That's always wonderful too. I really really love that. I haven't seen that yet, but that will come very soon, I believe. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been nice, and we're gonna go pumpkin picking, I believe, on Saturday. It's yes. so strange to have like a social life. First of all, I'm married to an introvert who doesn't like to leave our house. <laughs> So trying to get Kevin to have plans is always challenging because he doesn't want to do anything. Um, he likes to go to Target and he used to like to go to the movies. Well, now we can go to the movies again, technically. True. Um, but yeah, it's it's funny to be with Kelsey. Like, I feel like I'm like in a sorority or something here. Yeah. And so we were like, OK, what are we doing this weekend? I have not had that life yeah. maybe ever like maybe since I was a teenager where it's like, what are we going to do this weekend? Yeah. Well, it's kind of funny for me too, because I feel like I haven't done that in a little bit. Before Corona, I was like, we would walk down maybe to the bar, you know, like I haven't actually done adventures in yeah. forever and I love it. Yeah. We're having a blast. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. Well, it's good because yeah. I feel like on this coast, you kind of still can't really do that. 
like Laura and I, we have a nice back patio. We'll watch stuff, mm-hmm. but like it's still a little dodgy to like do stuff out yeah. here. Like even we were gonna hike last weekend, but the smoke. So it's like yeah, you guys yeah. chose the right time to. You know, it's a good time, a good place for you to be, Maria, to unlock your adventurous spirit because you'd be a little locked up here if you wanted to do any of that. Yeah. Very true. Inadvertently chose this. I mean, there was a moment where we were like, we're not going. Yeah. We're not going to go. And then we decided to go. Thank God. Truly. For so many reasons. Um, so what's this this news article that you pulled about the Carnival cruise ship, Jeff? Well, it was this really fascinating deep dive on Bloomberg. I know you're a fan of Bloomberg stuff, Maria, and um, just interesting human interest stuff around. I don't know if I'm necessarily a fan. I just have pulled articles from there before for you because I see it on my Twitter. (laughs) Yes, the Atlantic and Bloomberg are usually what you send me. So I assume those are your yeah. I assume those are like your go-to. Really? Um, Or the Dodo? Yeah. That's so funny. Do I follow them? That's so strange. You must, because Twitter, must. usually those are the two kind of human interests. The New Yorker, Atlantic, and Twitter, and uh, Bloomberg mm-hmm. are the three that really pop up on your specific trending. Huh. That's so interesting. Someone yeah, must have so followed evolved. them. I don't know. So I evolved. I haven't done I haven't followed someone on Twitter maybe in like ages, but yeah. that's so interesting. Yeah. Okay, cool. Sorry. Thanks for telling me what I'm a fan of. I didn't know. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. You're like, you know, you read good stuff, but this was just crazy. It's a specific story about one carnival cruise ship actually on their subsidiary line princess. The Ruby princess is considered the primary cause of Australia's coronavirus surge, both wow. there and in Tasmania. And this was at the very beginning of the pandemic, but the article kind of unpacks how the virus would spread on a cruise ship, how people were released on the day they landed off of the cruise ship, just as the virus was peaking. And like what happens is it spreads in this incubator of the ship. They weren't testing people and just let them off the ship. And then everyone's flying home. So they're Mm. going spread. So 10% of Australia's cases are attributed to this one ship. Um, and I fell down the rabbit hole of like cruise ship coronavirus stuff. And (laughs) I mean, it's crazy. Like all of the, cause even if you're part of the reason it's interesting to me is cause I used to work on a cruise ship and I was quarantined at one point having just a small GI, like a gastrointestinal thing. But what happens is the employees, like the crew members on these ships will, some of them have been like locked in their staterooms for up to a month, just being given food because they can't debark the ship. And it just it's a fascinating rabbit hole because I don't know what the future of this industry is. Whoa. First of all, I, people are quarantined for a month in their own room on a cruise ship. I think that would be the end of me. Even like two days. Not First of all, wow. Was this when your boy band days when you were like dancing and singing? Okay. We still have not found that video or put that video on the show. I do want to share that with people and maybe on our Better Together Instagram stories. Yeah. Uh (laughs) If you guys want to see my uh, boy band days, I promise I'll roll it into a page. I'll surprise our Patreon. Okay. You had a a cute idea of doing like throwbacks of all of us. Yeah. And I was like, that is amazing. Because every time I see throwback videos of you too, I'm like, oh. Gosh. Wait, I actually, so last night, um, I was snippy with Kevin and had to apologize. So I just got short because I was like headachy and yeah. exhausted and I was just like, Rrr. and so, and so I wanted to text him, you know, an apology. And so I was looking for a gift that was like, I'm sorry, or something funny. 
And something came over me. It was the first time I searched my name in the gifts. And I was so shocked. I didn't know there were all these gifts of me. A lot of them are kissing Derek randomly, yep. by the way. Um, and uh, my Dancing with the Stars partner. And so, yeah, it was really a funny rabbit hole to go through since uh, we're talking about rabbit holes right now. When I had done that. Back then. Oh, it's amazing. I did that two days prior trying to send you all those Dancing with the Stars pictures. That's what I did. You had done the gifts? Yeah, that's where I sent all those Dancing with the Stars gifts See, to you. I'm, I'm still not somebody who really understood gifts yeah. and really like dealt with gifts in life. And They're so awesome. like this is kind of, this is a new sensation where I will send people funny gifts. Like I always try to find really, um, um, you know appropriate ones inappropriate ones inappropriate oh yeah why would i find anything funny that's appropriate? like appropriate no. for the situation no i like, always nope. want to find the like most obnoxious most inappropriate um and they're not that inappropriate like i'll just i'll try to i'll like look up like something horrendous and i'm like why isn't that there anyway um so, yeah so we will uh we will have to roll that in for for everybody on jeff in the meantime um, I have to tell you guys about my Thrive Market obsession. So if you've been listening to the show, you have heard we've partnered with them because I'm obsessed with them. And you know, obviously, how passionate I am about health and wellness. Um, and being here in the Connecticut countryside definitely left me lacking some of my favorite uh, healthy options as we're limited here, right? There isn't a Whole Foods nearby. So Thrive Market has been my solution. It's healthy living made easy with my favorite organic pantry staples, beauty products, non-toxic home goods at my fingertips, one-stop shop, click, click, click. So I ask you, who wants to go brave the markets like a Whole Foods during a pandemic? And all of that when Thrive can just come to your doorstep for you. It features only the highest quality products, Right now, of course, I got my package. I just reordered yesterday more stuff, um, whether it's my bone broth collagen. I got this fruit and vegetable spray, which is super cool because you can clean all of your fruit and vegetables. And uh, I got my Ceylon cinnamon and so much more. And so what's really cool is obviously there's a small membership fee involved, but you get bulk prices okay on um on all of these upscale items it's 25 to 50 percent off retail saving an average of 30 dollars per order so thrive market's giving back on its mission as well sponsoring a free membership to someone in need when you join so you give back while you're shopping which is really cool so fans obviously of the show know how important it is to take your health seriously and now you can do it on a budget with Thrive Market. So go to thrivemarket.com backslash better together. We'll put that in the summary to check it out. By going through our landing page, it really helps us as a show. And of course, you as first timers will get a free gift up to $24 in value. So click on the link thrivemarket.com backslash better together. Join us over there. Start eating healthy, practicing self-care and make your life easier. Why go out and spend any of your time doing that? We can just do it from your phone. Click, click, click. Have it come to your door like Amazon. And I promise it will be game changing for you. And what I love about it too is it will immerse you in all of that healthy living. So if you're trying to get healthy and you haven't 
started or you don't know what to get, the cool thing about Thrive is they curate everything. If you want to go keto, they've got a whole keto area for you where you can just look at that stuff. Um, And so it really will help inspire you, I think, to get on that healthy path. And And I'll say too quickly, um, the barrier for me to entry to the health market was believing it was too expensive for Mm -hmm. me. I was just like, you know, early in my career, I'm trying to save a lot of money for you, maybe younger listeners who are scrappy and think like, I can't afford this life. That if that's your barrier to entry, Thrive will help because it's like you said, Maria, like 30 to 50% off retail. So now I can kind of enter that community. There's no barrier to entry Mm -hmm. for me. So if that's always been what's holding you back, Thrive is for you. I love it. Yeah, great point. And also, I get all of the notifications where it's like 15% off supplements. Like yesterday I was buying a new vitamin C supplement and I had just Mm -hmm. gotten the email and it's in your messages in your app too. And it's like 15% off supplements. I'm like, yes, I needed my vitamin C. This is perfect. So um, join Thrive Market, guys. It will be game changing for you. All right, let's get to our guest today. I have been dying to learn more about NLP for a long time. So here we go. Um, I don't know why I don't have my intro anymore. Oh, let's see. Maybe it's in here. Ha ha ha. Perfect. Um, So Damon Cart is one of the world's foremost NLP experts. He's currently the only certified self-concept NLP practitioner working today. He's a coach and teacher who provides insight and techniques on NLP to his huge community of YouTube subscribers, as well as Silicon Valley CEOs and entrepreneurs through his Santa Cruz-based practice. Damon uses his channel Life Mastery Gym to educate others on the ways NLP transforms lives through personal development, self-management, and communication. Damon, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Um, So how did you end up an NLP um, self-concept practitioner? (laughs) Okay, I'll try to give you the the short story and I'm trying to make it as quick as possible because that is it really wasn't something I was trying to do or it wasn't ever a goal and it was a uh, quite a winding road but I first came across NLP in college I had a professor who taught a class called the philosophy of psychology um, it was a very interesting class but I wasn't really what why I was in college I was there for film school and after, right after I graduated, it was the first time I was out of school ever. And 9-11 happened and a few other. All right, friends, let's talk about something we all do. Snack. Trust me, I've definitely overindulged in the past. But as you know, I am focused on my health these days. And I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor. And it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios. And then I got addicted. And now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier kind of snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, Plus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of Wonderful Pistachios. You're going to love them. Not so uh, great things happen and I fell into a depression. And at the time, I didn't have health insurance, so I couldn't afford a therapist. And so I called up my professor and I said, hey, can you help me out here? He brought me in 
And in one session, I was fine. The depression was gone and it just blew my mind. And I thought to myself, this is pretty powerful stuff, this NLP stuff, because that's what he, he used. And I thought, well, one of these days, I, you know, I want to learn this and then jump forward several years um, living in Santa Cruz, California, height of the financial crisis. I just started an insurance agency. I was newly married, had two kids, two young kids. Everything was collapsing on me and I fell into another depression. So I went to traditional therapy and it took an entire year to come out of uh, that 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 depression. And I thought to myself, okay, just like physical development, because I had always been into physical development, I realized that mental development is something you have to you have to keep going, just like you have just like you work out and you eat healthy. The same for your mental health, and that's why I use the gym metaphor, life mastery gym. And at that time, I realized, okay, I have to do something. Uh, NLP was created here in Santa Cruz. I'm not from Santa Cruz, and I, I didn't know that until I moved here. And I thought, okay, I got to, I'm going to learn NLP and I'm going to use this for my mental health. And I'm going to hopefully fix my business at the same time. Well, I went, started the NLP training and it was like, a, I, I realized it was a calling, like the first training that I went to and I just couldn't get enough. And so after that first training, I experienced what I call NLP withdrawal. I had to get right back into another NLP training. Um, and I just, absorbed it really, really fast. And I also did hypnosis training as well, which NLP is uh, a good chunk of NLP is based on hypnosis. So after a year of all this training, I finally realized that I was going to give teaching uh, a shot uh, because I realized I could learn better if I would also teach it. And then I also tried out coaching. And again, it was like, okay, this is more like a calling and my insurance business is not and no wonder it's not doing well because I don't really enjoy it and I have no passion for it and so I started moving in that direction of teaching and coaching and it, I, I hit another plateau it wasn't a depression it was just I, I had grown a lot with NLP and then I hit a point where it was just like okay something's not working anymore and it was just one of those classic cases of when the the student is ready the teacher arrives and Steve Andreas uh, my mentor who passed away a couple of years ago just kind of out of the blue, um, that's another story, but just kind of out of the blue came into my life and he was retired at the time and he said, hey, if I can help you out, let me know. And I was like, oh, you have no idea hmm. what you're asking <laughs> or what you're offering. And so um, I just bombarded, bombarded him with questions by email and then he couldn't answer them fast enough. So we got on Skype and we started uh, going back and forth on Skype. And then he finally said, you know what, I think I know what you're looking for. And it's in this book that I wrote called Transforming Yourself. Uh, go read that book. I think it's, I, you know, I didn't really know what I was looking for as far as breaking through the limitations that I had encountered. Um, but when I read that book, well, actually, the introduction answered almost all of my questions. And then, of course, there were more questions. And I went through, I started doing the exercises in the book, and I had my first transformation. And I wrote him in an email and said, hey, uh, this is what happened. I'm reporting back to you. And he said, I remember his first line that says, you just made my day. He said, uh, that, that's amazing. You're, you've got it. You've nailed it. Keep going. I'm curious you know, to see where this goes. And you might want to think about teaching this someday because you seem to, to grasp this really well. And I remember hearing that. I was just like, I kind of froze. And I thought, I, you know, I can't do that. Don't put that responsibility on me. This is, this is huge. And I I couldn't, I couldn't understand why I hadn't learned this before. I couldn't understand why they weren't teaching this in every NLP institute and not just NLP institutes, but like everywhere in general. 
And he didn't have an answer for me. He's like, well, that's why I think you might want to teach this if you think it's important to get out there. And it was such a strange thing because it was, it was like the hero's journey where the hero gets, you know, prompted to do something to change, to make a decision that's going to change everything, but they hesitate, you know, and they resist it because they're not sure if they want to, to go down that path. It mm -hmm. seems too big, too much responsibility. And that's what I was faced with. And so after the, the next few months, I decided to take the model and start applying it to my coaching clients. And then they started transforming. And I thought, okay, this needs to get out there. I need, I need to be, uh, I need to start teaching this. And he was retired at the time, which is why he had stopped teaching it. And so I started going down that path and here I am. Wow. What is NLP for people who are just being introduced to it? This, I'm always afraid of this question mm. because it can go in a hundred different ways. And, <laughs> and I, I wonder sometimes if I'm, if I'm digging a deeper hole and not uh, helping people understand it. Um, so let me first say that to truly understand what it is, you have to practice it and experience it because it is purely an experiential model. It's 99% practice and 1% theory, in other words. And there's very little theory that goes into it. And so neuro, uh, neuro-linguistic programming, neuro is just an indication of your five senses and your neurology, your nervous system. Uh, ling uh, linguistic is one way that we map reality. It's through language. And so language is very important. It is, it's reflexive. It's the, by listening to someone's language, I can tell how they're thinking and what their map of reality is. And then I can also challenge it. And then with my own language, how I speak to myself, uh, the same thing. I can tell when I'm bumping up against my own limitations by the way that I word it. So that's where the linguistic part comes in. The programming part comes in where you're talking about automatic programs that we create basically to make life manageable. You know, we don't make this, you know, once we've decided on something, you know, I like this food or I don't like this food, we don't have to constantly keep negotiating that. And that's, we, we do this so that we can preserve our energy uh, for survival so that we can move faster through things. We don't have to keep making the same decisions over and over again. So you're talking about routines, you're talking about habits. Unfortunately, a lot of these were solidified very early in life and early in your childhood. And so just like computer programming, a lot of people were still working off of Windows 95 <laughs> instead of you know, uh, our current versions. And so what NLP seeks to do is go into that programming, that unconscious programming, bring it into consciousness so that we can see what's actually there. And when we know that, when we have it in consciousness, now we can change it. Now we have a choice about it. So instead of your programs running you, you run your own programs. Uh, so I can I can go into a deeper explanation, but I'll yeah. leave it right there. Yeah, no, we need to go deeper. We need to go deeper. Okay. Um, so if we think about it like this, we can't know reality directly. We will not, we don't respond from objective reality. It always passes through our subjective senses. And one way that I can demonstrate that is we organize our experiences into different categories. And the, the idea of an experience itself is purely subjective. You and I are, are, are right here talking to each other, but we're having a different experience of this. Two people can go see a concert and to one person, that concert is the best experience of their life. To another person, uh, it's the worst experience in their life. You can have a person who has all the same resources, all the same wealth, all the same success, or you can have two people that have all the same, and one is happy and one is not. So why is that? So we know right away that objective objectivity, the reality that we're living in, 
doesn't necessarily determine your fulfillment. It's what's going on inside of you. So we approach reality through the map that we create about reality. So information passes through my five senses. I categorize it in a certain way. Um, I categorize into certain experiences, what I see, what I hear, what I, what I believe about the world, and then ultimately what I project onto the world around me. Now, if my map of reality is very limited and I project limitation on, into the world around me, I'm going to experience a lot of frustration. I'm going to ex experience probably depression and suffering. But if I have a very rich map, rich in resources and rich in choices, then I'm projecting that into the world around me. And therefore, I find those opportunities and I'm able to take advantage of those opportunities. And I find more and more opportunities to fulfill my potential, which ultimately creates fulfillment. And the more clarity I have around what I value, the better I can map that reality to make my life automatically uh, align with that. And when you align with your values, when your behavior aligns with your values, that's what creates fulfillment. That's what creates self-esteem. That's what creates confidence. So for a lot of people, self-esteem, confidence, self-worth, this all these feelings that we have, they seem to come and go. Uh, we're always trying to like wrap our hands around it and, and solidify it. But the problem is, is that most of us are going at that directly. We're trying to make ourselves feel more worthy. We're trying to uh, increase our self-esteem directly. We're trying to in increase our confidence directly, but it doesn't work that way. And if you've ever tried it, you, you know, you know that it, it you know, if you, even if you try to change, you just say, okay, today I'm going to change. And then maybe you change a few things, but it just snaps right back because you haven't really gone down to that, those deeper uh, programs that are unconscious. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's Frizi Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. What do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code Heel Squad for 15% off any product. That's the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code Heel Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it and change that. And so when I say programs going into those deeper programs, I'm referring to that map. So I guess the easiest way I can think of to help people who are listening understand NLP and its benefits and kind of the application of it is maybe to ask you when you're working with someone, how do you start? Where do you start with them? Yeah, uh, that's a great, that's a great question because I'm always, amazed when uh, coaches don't do this. And it's going to sound very obvious. And if there are coaches listening, they're going to say, well, of course I do that. Hmm. Uh, but I don't think I don't think most people take it as far as I do. The first thing I ask somebody is, what do they want? And a lot of times people are, are, will come to me, about 50% of my clients come to me because they have a problem. And they're like, well, here's my problem. And I say, okay, well, what do you want? What do you want instead of the problem? And regardless of who I'm asking, if they're coming to me for a problem uh, or with a problem and, or if they're coming to me to achieve a goal, 
I will ask them what they want. And almost always, not always, but almost always, the first thing they tell me is what they don't want. Mm -hmm. And then I say, okay, I understand. That's what you don't want. What do you want? And it will take 15 to 20 minutes sometimes just to finally get them to shift their focus onto what it is they do want. Now, this is the, the, the crazy thing. Like, imagine going into a department store and the clerk walks up to you and says, hey, you know, can I help you with something? And you say, yes. And they say, well, what do you want? And you say, I don't want shoes. <laughs> so the clerk then says, okay, I understand you don't want shoes. I, I won't show you any shoes. What do you want? And you say, well, I don't want a blouse. And you're going to be there all day. <laughs> you, you, have, you have to have a, an understanding of what it is you want, at yeah. least uh, even if it's very trivial. You know, like I, that's the other thing. Two people think when I, when I finally, you know, try to get them to, to prompt them to say what it is they want, that they have to jump to something like really, really lofty, like world peace or something like that. And it's like, no, just very basic. Like, just tell me what you want. If it's more money, if it's a partner, you know, uh, more dates, just say it. Say what it is you want. Just get that shift. Just focus, reorient your focus, and then we can move from there. We'll go deeper than that. And from there, I, I elicit the higher values of what it is that they want, because no matter what it is that you want, especially if it's material object or even an experience nothing has inherent value so that's again where we where i'm pointing at there you're experiencing reality subjectively not objectively if you say you know i want a hundred thousand dollars more a year you know you might say well that has a definite value damon you're wrong that that has a, you know, it's a hundred thousand dollars a hundred thousand dollars is a hundred thousand dollars well a hundred thousand dollars though is very different the, the people who will value it differently, uh, like uh, $100,000 is very different to someone who's on the streets versus someone who's middle class versus someone who's a multi-billionaire. So again, nothing has inherent value. You project the value onto whatever it is that you want. And this is an important clue about what will fulfill you because when you understand what those values are, because there's usually more than one, again, when your behavior aligns with that, then you automatically become more and more fulfilled your self-esteem goes up, your confidence goes up. So what I point at then is, okay, if you're projecting these values onto this goal that you want, this whether it's material or an experience, what does that say? If you're projecting it, it must be coming from within you. So if it's coming from within you, then circle back and access it within yourself. Those are incredible resources within you that instead of accessing them now, you're you're convincing yourself that you don't have it so that you have to go chase it by getting it through an object or an experience. And that's just backwards. If it's coming from you first access it within yourself. And this is where they, you will hear in self-help a lot, you know, like act as if you're already there. Uh, I don't like that because then there's a part of your mind that says, but we're really not. And then you go into this conflict with yourself. But if you understand the truth of it, that if you're projecting that value, that you must contain it, then we can work from there to build that in as a quality of who you are and your identity. And when I say build it in, we're not faking it. We're accessing it. We're, we're finding the raw data of experience that you've miscategorized up until this point. And then we recategorize it. So you know, you believe hundred percent that you are these values as certain solid qualities of who you are. Now, when you approach a goal from that place, what do you think happens differently? Then when you approach a goal from, I don't have this and I lack this and yeah. I'm trying to get it, it's obvious. Well, it's interesting because like I've studied Esther Hicks and 
Um, and she talks a lot about not coming from a place of lack and acting as if it's already there and having your, your beliefs and your desires in alignment for the universe to give you what you want. So I never thought in a million years you would actually be bringing up something like that with NLP. Um, <laughs> so that's pretty cool. But I guess I still feel like I'm a little lost and are you Kelsey are you okay mm -hmm. so so let's use me as an example mm -hmm. to go through this because I'm not understanding like the middle part of that I understand sure. that when you ask someone what do you want that that is one of the most challenging questions because I feel like that is the problem with most of us is we only know what we don't want um, and then when you're focusing on that you're probably just attracting more of it anyway uh, well, your unconscious doesn't know the difference between what your con uh, doesn't know what the difference between what your conscious mind wants and doesn't want. Mm -hmm. Your unconscious only understands clarity or confusion, and your unconscious is hardwired to move toward clarity and away from confusion and chaos. So, if you're very clear about what you don't want, you're basically telling your unconscious to move in that direction. Uh, Wayne Dyer once told a. a uh, gave a, an interesting uh, saying on that was which was you know you, you see a friend of yours who's uh, it's at nighttime and they're standing under a light and they're looking around and you walk up to your friend and you say hey you know what, what's going on and they say well I lost my keys and they say and then you say well did you lose your keys here and they say no and they point to a, their house and it's all dark in the house and they say I, lo I lost my keys in the house and you say well why would you be looking for your keys down here and they say well because the light is here and so, so that's how your unconscious works. Wherever you shine the light, your unconscious is going to naturally gravitate mm -hmm. to. So if you're very clear about what you don't want, which most of us are, because probably due to our evolution, we are the descendants of you know prehistoric ancestors who, if they didn't focus on the dangers and all the things that were you know could kill you, uh, then they got eaten by the saber-toothed tiger that was you know hanging out on the other side of the, the tree or the cave or whatever. So we're sort of hardwired for that, you know, like the, this is not a reason to blame ourselves even more because some people will do that. You know, once they realize they, they're constantly focusing on what they don't want, they blame themselves even more. And that just doesn't help. We want to, you know, uh, blame your DNA, blame your biology yeah. and then start Course shifting correct. your focus toward what it is you want. <laughs> yeah. Um, OK, so so the other thing that I wonder is you probably hear a lot to that question, you know, what do you want is I just want to be happy. Right. Well, that's great. We uh, always so, say that. So yeah, is that start. OK? Yeah. So what you just did was go straight to a value. A value is intangible. You uh -huh. know, so happy. Uh, we can't see it. You know, we can't see happy. Uh, but we can be it. We can feel it. We know it when we feel it. So then I would ask what we call a criteria question. How do you know when you're happy? Well, I know when I'm happy. It's because I feel good and I'm smiling and, you know, okay. I feel light. So what has to be there in order for you to be happy? Uh, well, animals, nature, <laughs> good food. Okay, great. So now you're giving me <laughs> now you're giving me sensory based information. Uh-huh. We can see an animal, we can see nature, we can feel it. Uh we can smell it, we can, you know, all those things. So most people are more in touch with the the tangibles, but it we need we need, we really need to know both. So in order to have a goal, it has to be tangible, right? We mm -hmm. have to know 
what it is so that we can know when we achieve it. We can also, we need to know what it is in sensory-based information so that we can know if we're moving closer to it or further away from it. So we need that tangible. Uh, so most people are more focused on that. Like when I ask somebody what they want, they're, they're more likely to give me a tangible, but sometimes they will do what you just did, which they'll go straight to the value. And so then I just need a little more information about, well, what would give them that? What, what everybody's criteria is gonna, going to be different. Mm -hmm. You know, I could ask somebody the same question about, you know, they might say that they want happiness. And I ask them, well, how would they know? And they would give me completely different answers than you just gave me. So we got to know, you know, the tangible so we can set a goal and move toward it. But we also want to go deeper to those values. So things like happiness. And so what I do is I, we're, there's a lot more, you know, once we, somebody sets a goal, there's always more than just one value and it goes very deep. And usually there's, I, I try to elicit at least three to five very high level values. And there, those high level values will. As a first time mom with a baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps us bag stashed in the nursery. <laughs> you know, for the nighttime hunger moments. Wonderful pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes, making them the perfect snack to have literally any time, whether I'm enjoying them during a quick break in between taping this show or I'm on the go and it's in the diaper bag. I do carry it in my travel bag and they're in my car. At this point, when I'm leaving the house, I think keys, wallet, wonderful pistachios. <laughs> <laughs> Bonus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, they keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. Be different from context to context. So in different contexts of your life, those uh, there's not one hierarchy of values. That's uh, I've Actually, I get into a little bit of trouble when I talk, I criticize Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Um, it's a nice ideal, but we're just more complicated than one single hierarchy. We have we're more of a hierarchy. As we shift from context to context, we shift from task to task. Our values will shift as well. And so, the more you elicit these values in various contexts, the more clarity you will gain about you know what fulfills you. What are the best decisions for you to make, especially when you have really tough decisions. Uh, we often will just sort of grab at a value and that's when we make a maybe a decision we're not happy with but if you're very clear about your values in the toughest of decisions that you have to make you will be very clear about which decision is the right decision even if it doesn't work out for you because at that point you know you acted in alignment with your highest values you did your due diligence you you know you, you took in whatever information you needed to take in and then you can forgive yourself or you can let it go if the decision doesn't work out because you've done, you've done everything you possibly can to make that best decision. So is so it those best values for people are super to write them? I'm sorry. Is it best for people to write their values down? I do all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, what's funny too is, you know, you'll learn about value solicitation probably in a practitioner training, like an NLP practitioner training. You might revisit it and say like a master practitioner training but then you don't really hear about it too much after that. And so I, I really emphasize values because they will change your life and they will give you an incredible amount of clarity. And I'll talk to NLP practitioners and, and I'll ask them if, you know, they'll come to me with a problem and I'll say, well, have you done a value solicitation on it? And they'll say, well, yeah, I've done that before. And I'm like, you've done it before? Like anytime you want something, you should do a value solicitation. And then mm. three months later, do another one because 
you always are reevaluating and the values might not change. They might stay the same, but you will gain more clarity about those values, especially after you take in more information. So like I decided to learn a foreign language at the beginning of the year, I did a values elicitation. Okay. That's your motivation right there too, by the way. Uh, if motivation seems to sort of come and go for you, or you, you, you feel like you have trouble with procrastination, the more clear you are about your values, motivation will never be a problem for you. If you're mm -hmm. connecting with your values, that is pure motivation. So that gave me the motivation. I'm for I'm over 450 hours into learning Romanian. And, you know, there are times that I struggle because I'm not as far along as I want to be, but then I go back to my values and I re I reevaluate them. So what were and your values? For learning Romanian? Yeah. Uh, connection, uh, empowerment, um, freedom, and happiness. Interesting. <laughs> So you're like, why, you... why, would, why would you have those values for learning Romanian? <laughs> yeah. Are you of Romanian descent? No, my girlfriend's Romanian. Ah, so you wanted a connection with her. Greater connection with her, greater connection to her family. Uh -huh. Our parents don't speak very good English. Uh, so, yeah, that was one of the things. Wow. Okay, so every time you embark on a journey, you have to do your values. What do you call them? Values? Values elicitation. Solicitation. Elicitation. Oh, elicitation. Yeah. Okay. So values elicitation, you write your values down so that when you're clear with that, you stay motivated with your goal. I like yeah, that. Yeah. When just the process of doing it, you'll feel it like the motivation is incredible. And then if you experience any resistance still, uh, because we do that, like we, we set a goal, uh, we maybe elicit the values of it. We feel the motivation. And then yet for some reason we don't get started on it. So what's that about? Right. Mm -hmm. That's what we can call resistance, but it kind of gets a bad name because resistance is really all it is, is another part of you that is disconnected from you, isolated from you, but it has a positive intent, which means another, another word for positive intent is value. So you go to that, to that part of you and you find out, well, what is that about? What is this resistance actually trying to do for you in a positive way? And then once you understand what that value is, all your values fit together. Your highest values will not oppose each other. They're never in conflict. And so you just integrate that resistance, the value of that resistance into your overall values. And then now you're full step ahead, no resistance, all parts of you congruent toward this goal that you want to achieve. And not only that is your values then come turn into a vision. And a vision is a little bit different than a goal because it's, it's more vague. Like I don't know exactly how I'm going to sound and, uh, look when I'm speaking Romanian super fluently. I can speak it now, but like I don't know exactly how that's all going to play out. But I can create a vague vision based on my values and put that out in front of me. And that I take everywhere with me, whether I'm conscious of it or not. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like having a vision board that stays with you all the time. And so that keeps you motivated, that keeps you connected when you have a vision like that, that you're so connected to because they're your values, they're your projection. But now you have an, an intense amount of clarity about it and no resistance holding you back. So this whole idea of self-sabotage, mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be a thing. Once you understand what resistance really is, you wipe out self-sabotage. You also don't need to rely on self-discipline and willpower like that. This is where a lot of people uh, uh, will be like, what? You know, what are you talking about? Willpower is important. Discipline is important. And it. I, I believed in that for a long time and, and, and willpower and discipline is, is like a muscle that you can strengthen, but it, it is limited. There is a certain point where you will run out of it. Um, and there have been 
people who have used willpower and discipline to achieve amazing things. So I'm not saying that that doesn't happen. It does. But if you really want to go the distance, you have to stop, you have to stop relying on willpower and discipline because it won't get you there. It'll get you somewhere. It won't get you all the way there. Mm-hmm. What will get you all the way there is clarity about your values, connection to your values. And anytime resistance comes up, elicit the value of that resistance, integrate it, and then keep moving forward. And you won't need it. You won't need discipline or willpower. It just, discipline and willpower at a certain point becomes a crutch. And if you depend on it too much, again, it will limit you. You will not be able to fulfill your potential completely. Yeah, I was watching one of your videos and I'm pretty sure you had said if like someone was dieting or trying to lose weight um, that remembering what you want to look like in those moments when you want to reach for something that is Mm -hmm. not really congruent with your values that you are you know attempting to lose the weight um, I'm pretty sure I saw that am I crazy yeah I think uh, that's the swish pattern video yes yes swish sorry i watched it a couple days ago and i've done so much since that i'm like i can't i can't remember exactly what the term was yeah so tell us about swish well the swish pattern is more um so the okay it's interesting because the swish pattern was the inspiration for my mentor to create the self-concept model what it is is it's basically taking something that is compulsive or like a habit you know smoking uh overeating drinking drinking too much um, what it does is it, if you if you understand what creates that, what creates that compulsion, it's being overly associated into a situation. And what I mean by overly associated, so we can, and everyone who's listening can take a moment to access this, you know, we can be here in our bodies like right now, like right now I'm very associated because I want to be very present for our discussion. Um, but I can imagine sort of like popping outside of myself and watching myself talk to you. You know, we can, we all have that ability that's mm-hmm. called disassociation and we all do it. And it usually happens without us really being, uh, aware of it. But when we say like, you know, I, I'm not really present right now, that's kind of what we're saying. We're disassociated. Um, when we're really associated, we're very present when we're overly associated, it can be a problem. And that's where, um, that's how trauma happens. When a person's re-experiencing trauma, it's because they're overly associated. When a person's re, uh, has a phobia, they're overly associating into a past memory of fear, even though that fear might not be presenting itself right now, but it feels like it is. So they get really, really scared and they, they you know, they have all the symptoms of being in the, uh, in the, in danger. The same thing happens with compulsion. It's very, very similar. So with compulsion, I'm overly associated and it's almost like I can't stop myself. I'm going to grab that cigarette. I'm going to grab that chocolate. I'm going to grab that drink. And so with the swish pattern, what we do is we interrupt that pattern. So you go back to remembering the last time you felt the compulsion and we walk it back until we find that moment, that that split second where you see something and then it becomes the compulsion where there's no stopping you. You're you're moving forward uh, and, and going to grab that chocolate or whatever. And what we do is we swish in an uh, image of yourself, an ideal image of you, with no un, in no particular context and not doing any particular behavior. But it's an ideal image of you. It's the you who has solved this problem, and not only this problem, but all of your problems. It's you know it's a very ideal image. And so we rehearse this pattern where every time you go, you experience, you start to experience the compulsion. This image of your ideal self pops up, and so it redirects you. To, well, no, I don't want that. I want this. And 
we want this to become unconscious again, because when it becomes unconscious, it becomes even more powerful because now you're not negotiating with it consciously. So you practice that pattern until just by testing it. Anytime you think of like the cigarette or the chocolate or the drink, boom, this image of yourself pops up. And so I, I knew how to lose weight. This was years ago. Uh, I knew how to lose weight. I knew how to eat healthy, but I wasn't sticking to it. And so I, I did that. I kept switching an image of my ideal self, what I wanted to look like. And, you know, once it went unconscious, like I never had the problem again, I, I didn't have these fluctuations anymore. Just my eating habits, my uh, workout regimen, it just stuck. And, um, I've been doing this with clients for a long time. And so another little detail I want to give to this is that the ideal image of yourself should not have it's most this pattern is actually mostly taught incorrectly and it was taught to me incorrectly until uh, Steve Andreas my mentor kind of did that kung fu smack me on the head and said you know you got this wrong this is why it didn't work for you when you first tried it and it's really what's really really important here is that an ideal image of yourself should have no context and you should not be doing any particular behavior in that ideal image the reason for this is so that it generalizes as widely as possible throughout your entire life. So for example, if I wanted to quit smoking, and this is how people often uh, do the switch pattern wrong, is they'll switch an image of themselves exercising. I would rather exercise than smoke. So I'm going to switch this image of myself exercising anytime I feel compulsion to smoke a cigarette. Well, good luck with that when you wake up in the middle of the night and you feel the need for a cigarette and then suddenly this image of you switches up of working out and it's midnight and you go i'm not going to work out right now so you break that pattern so very important to have no particular context and no um no particular behavior in your ideal image and when steve andreas was playing with that um pattern he realized well wait a minute this is then this says something about identity and it generalizes very widely so if if we if this small pattern can work this way well what happens if we go into our identity and we really understand what we believe about ourselves and what we don't believe about ourselves and how we represent that and that's where he started going down this path of modeling and mapping how we create our sense of self and then in understanding that then we can transform it and then when we transform it it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy you become exactly what you believe and then you project that into the world around you so your reality becomes that as well. So what would you say, um, I still feel like I'm not 100% clear on what the image should be, right? So um, if I want to quit smoking or I want to lose weight, like when you said lose weight, I was like, okay, like I could envision what my body looked like when I did Dancing with the Stars because I was like super fit, super, you know, toned and if I want to really focus on getting that back, I would swoosh that image in. Is that good? So well, I would the, the part that I would really be careful about this is if your mind associates that with the past and something that is over, mm. it will probably break the pattern and it won't work. There's a good chance. Now, when you switch this ideal image of yourself or when you are creating this ideal image of yourself, the idea is to make it purposefully vague so that it generalizes widely. And so you can see yourself with having the body you want to have. And you can see yourself like your skin having the complexion that you want to have. You can see your hair looking the way that you want your hair to look. All of that is fine. Uh, 
because that can generalize to any context, right? That can generalize to any context in your life. And you could pretty much be doing any particular behavior and all those things could still be true. So therefore that would work with the generalization. But like with the one with the smoking one, if you have a specific behavior, you're trying to switch the compulsion of smoking to doing this new behavior, that's actually called chaining. And that, that can work, but you but it's not gonna work for what we're talking about here mm-hmm. because there's going to be other, there's gonna be contextual factors that will prevent you from going work out in the middle of the night if you wake up feeling like you want a cigarette. So, but for what you're talking about, the, the thing that you would have to be careful of is not is not putting any details in there that would associate you with Dancing with the Stars in the past because you're not doing Dancing with the Stars right now. And this happen, is not happening now nor in the future. It happened then. And so that would actually uh, break the pattern if you your mind associated with that time. So if somebody wanted to quit smoking, would their image have to be something like a healthier version of themselves or like clear yeah. lungs? Well, I wouldn't go that far because you won't, you won't be able to see that. But so if you just take a moment and everybody can do this right now, and it could, it could take some practice and just see an image of yourself. And there's just something about the way you look that lets you know you solved this problem. And not only this problem, you've solved all problems in your life. You're living your highest ideals. You're fulfilled. You're happy and just see that image of yourself. And then you can keep working with it. Like, well, what would I look like? You know, um, how would I, how would my smile look? You know, would my eyes look bright and my eyes, you know, would be wide open taking in the world around me, you know, just things like that. So um, this is a common question that I get because people are just not used to thinking of it that way. Well, they kind of want to see themselves doing something. You know, most people have the the movie trailer of them of their lives in their head going on. They got the Rocky music, you know, and all that stuff. Yes. Nothing wrong, yeah. <laughs> and nothing nothing wrong with any of those things. But when you're when you're using a switch pattern, you want that to you don't want all those details. But you can you can work on this and just really enhance that that image of yourself to to let you know that this is the the ideal you. Now, in self-concept, it's a little bit different. We do get into the details, but it's a it's a more involved process. So we give all the possible details and we give so much um, nuanced information in it that's attached to your identity that it opens you up to to be able to transform and, and it generalize to all contexts because we give it so much detail, because we give it um, so much context and we use a lot of timeline. Like what happens a lot of times is really interesting. Um, when we make a change in, in self-concept or, um, you know, a person doesn't believe there's something or maybe they're experiencing a lot of self-worth and then we elicit their values and then we transform those values into solid qualities of who they are. And suddenly self-worth becomes seen for what it is. It, it's not true. Like there's no such thing as self-worth. You can't possibly judge yourself or rate yourself and no one else can either. And then after they have that experience, trying to convince them that they ever had that problem before becomes very difficult because we use time, which is also subjective. And we go back and we find all the raw data of experience of having had those qualities since birth, which we do. We have, you know, we might not, you know, you think about intelligence. Well, you weren't intelligent when you were one, like you are now, but you were an intelligent being. You learned a language without even trying. So intelligence was there. And so you have to open that scope up to all of that possible experience and data. And then we recode that data in time so it feels like you were always this and so getting a person to to access the problem they used to have that they've already solved 
it's really difficult and they don't even believe a lot of times that they even had it. And uh, this is something, it's a, what we call NLP amnesia. You know, if you do it really well, the person believes they never had the problem and hmm. they've always had all the resources and qualities they needed to be. Hilarious, NLP amnesia. <laughs> wow. Can I ask you a quick question, Damon? Sure. Uh, you were talking about resistance earlier and I thought that was really interesting because you flag that resistance, we can use it as a value to get what we want as we're as we're encountering it. And as you faced resistance learning Romanian, what did that show about you? Like, I want to hear how that, like how you use values elicitation in your journey to learn Romanian to help you in, like move past that resistance. Well, yeah, so a lot of times resistance is about protecting ourselves. It's a lot about protecting ourselves from disappointment if we fail. Um, it's a lot about uh, conserving um, energy, whether that's like mental energy or physical energy. And so there are parts of you, the, what we call resistance, I mean, th these are, are wonderful parts of you with lots of resources and treasures, but we tend to think of them unconsciously because a resistance often comes up unconsciously. We tend to think of these things as the parts of us that are trying to hold us back, and it's just not true. But if we continue to think about them that way, then they do indeed become the things that hold us back. And so what I say is that, you know, don't resist resistance. Welcome the resistance and ask it, you know, what is it that you're trying to do for me in a positive way? And so for me, it's like, you know, I, I, I work a lot because I enjoy, I love what I do. And I'm always thinking, okay, what's the most productive use of my time? And so a lot of my resistance comes up from, well, you know, where could I be putting this effort, this conscious effort, this time that I am learning Romanian to something else? And so when I feel that hmm. resistance and then I elicit that value and, and then I just integrate it into uh, what it is that I'm doing. And, and so here's another one that I can quick, quickly give you. And I mentioned Rocky and uh, Maria got all excited. So mm -hmm. I, I take it you're a fan of the Rocky movies. And yes, so am I. I am. <laughs> uh, there's an interesting thing that happens where we call this a modal operator. And it's when we say I can't, I must, I should, I need to. Um, this is an indication of one of, of a limitation in our map of reality. So, uh, and this is what comes straight from my mentor, Steve Andreas. We can say, we can, we can, if we want, let's see, we can't do the impossible. If I can't do something, we often will, will, instead of just leaving it there and saying, I can't, we'll say to ourselves, but I should. And that's where the suffering comes in. So, and I, I had to revisit this for myself with remaining because it's very challenging. I'm not a natural language learner. I, so the, I actually can speak Romanian, but not very well. But if I roll the tape back, you know, three months ago or something like that, I could say, you know what, well, I can't speak Romanian, you know, and that's just either true or it's not true. And so mm. if I can't speak another language, then it's impossible. I can't speak it. And then if I add to it, but I should, then that's where the pain and suffering comes in. And it actually closes off the possibilities and the opportunities of learning Romanian. It's just like this extra pressure that's not needed. So I can't choose the impossible. But I can choose, I can want the impossible. That's the difference. Okay. So if I say I can't speak Romanian, but I want to, now it opens it up to possibility. Okay. And then I can move down that path of learning it. I can find the resources. I can find the people. So the, re the, the way that relates to Rocky, if you remember the first Rocky movie, he, towards the end of the movie, right before the climax, he rides his motorcycle out to the uh i don't know if it was a motorcycle but anyway he goes to the uh the ring and he's looking around and it's this very solemn kind of moment it's the night before the fight and 
he realizes something. You can tell, you can just see it in his face. And then he goes home to Adrian and he's lying in bed with her and he says, I can't win. Okay, so this is just like what I was talking about. He acknowledges it's impossible to beat Apollo Creed. And then she says, well, well, what now? And so he doesn't say, I can't win, but I should. He instead realizes a new possibility. I just want to go the distance. Nobody has gone the distance with Apollo Creed. I just want to go the, the distance. So it shifts. And then he goes and fights. And he loses, but it, you know, it's really disputed. Like, you know, we don't know. So it, there was another possibility there. He might have won, kind of depends on the judges, but they called it for the Apollo Creed. But then it opens up that other opportunity for him to fight him again and then win. So that's kind of a metaphorical demonstration of what I'm talking about. I love it. I just don't want to look like another bum from the neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. I often, it's funny, we're out of time, but I have to say one last thing on Rocky. His quote from Balboa, Rocky Balboa, has been something that I've used in my challenging moments. And I had a moment of confusion on it after surgery. So it's, it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. So... The thing that I, the revelation I had after surgery was, am I inviting pain by using this as my mantra? Am I thinking that I have to constantly be this like punching bag and I'm just going to keep getting up? Or does it still work because life is just going to keep throwing punches and it really is about how much you can take and keep moving forward? So from an NLP perspective, what does that quote mean to you? Yeah, so this is it's it that's a very nuanced one i mean there are some that i can i can definitely say okay yeah that's that's going to that's going to cause your problems that one it, i would have to say i kind of have to revert to well the truth is sort of in your experience so what is your experience of that does that make you feel like you need to experience pain and there definitely are those people and i i'm one of them I, it was just sort of i guess the way that i was brought up that like you had to experience pain uh and then there was glorification of suffering um and i guess the subculture that i grew up in and uh, so that was something I had to shed and for myself. But and so at that time that I was experiencing that, a quote like that would have probably all the wrong meanings. <laughs> but, you know, if you're going through something major like you went through and that, that gives that opens you up to possibility, that opens you up to uh, more resilience than I, I would say than, it, than it's definitely serving you. So it kind of depends on the experience of the person. Um, I'd have to spend more time with an individual and questioning them uh, about how they feel whenever they say that uh, to really know. But um, like I said, that some are, you know, really obvious. And then that one's, I would, I would revert to, you know, find the truth in your experience when you say that quote, and that can shift, you know, you might find that that really helped you during a certain time. And then later you realize that maybe it's creating a limitation now. So now it's time to let that go. So interesting. Wow. So many things to think about. I think I'm gonna have to listen to this episode like three or four times to really get it in because it's very kind of complicated stuff. I know it's not technically, but when you haven't opened your mind to all of these things, it's it's a lot to take in. So thank you for sharing with us. And I hope we can have you back to go even deeper with it at some point. I'd love to. Um, I, I could talk about this. Well, I do talk about this all day. <laughs> and I love that you're learning Romanian for your girlfriend. As uh, as someone who understands what it's like to have immigrant parents, 
Mm. Um, you know, my parents are Greek. It's it's funny when Kevin will throw out a Greek word here or there, whether it's like Happy Easter in Greek or, you know, Spanakopita or Baklava. It's like it just lights them up. And so for you to give that gift to your girlfriend to be able to communicate with her parents is really special. And I know how hard it is to learn these European languages. They're very challenging. Like Greek, I mean, we have our own alphabet. And so it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. it's not quite as bad with Romanian. Um, but yeah, there, there's, um, it's just having to learn something or learning something like this without having to learn it, you know, to just sit yourself down for a few hours a day. And it's not easy. Uh, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of being very clear about why you're doing this. I love it. I'm going to keep that in the back of my head for everything I'm doing. And we're going to do all of our values here mm-hmm. on the staff <laughs> so we can make sure we've got our motivation every day for why we're up doing this and and that. So very cool. Damon, thank you so much. Um, if you guys want to know more about Damon, um, you can follow him on Instagram at Damon Cart. I'm sure there's a website. I have an old uh, sheet here. So Damon, you well, tell me. Yeah, actually, uh, that's my personal one, but Life Mastery Gym on Instagram, but more, I mean, really where the majority of my content is on YouTube. So Life Mastery Gym on YouTube. I have almost 700 videos. So. Okay. Yeah, that's where I found you. That's what most people do. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you. Um, Oh, yeah, I have it right here. LifeMasteryGym.com. LifeMasteryGym on YouTube.com. Sorry, my papers are all confusing for me today. But uh, we'll put a link to that in the summary of this show so that you guys can easily just click and find him. So have a great day, Damon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Of course. All right. So we're swooshing. We're swooshing, and I agree with you. We have to all identify that our values. Yeah, I wrote. I love that. It was a lot values. to unpack. Yeah, I want to listen again as well. Yeah, it's like a whole. It's it's a deep dive if you want to get an NLP. And like he said, I think if this is everyone's just intro to NLP to learn mm-hmm. some of the concepts and ideas, I think working with someone is a great way to like really dive deeper because they get trained in it, right? So it's. I think it's some work to really get under the hood. Um, but I think like starting with that value solicitation is a really valuable way to become inspired, right? Yeah. Because then everything yeah. you're doing, you can place in the context of, well, how does this align with who I am yeah. rather than like what I am? Yeah, mm-hmm. or what I should be doing. Right. Like I should be doing this. That's not enough. Yeah, I so, loved that. I, I think, loved the... I think that's really helpful. Yeah, the want to... The, the should what you were yeah. just saying like switching the should to want to yeah like of course of course saying should elicits all the suffering and the pain it's like oh yeah because then you get all you beat yourself up right by saying should no i yeah. want to like great kelsey we've been trying to get her on a <laughs> new sleep plan so that yeah. she doesn't stay up till one in the morning or whatever because it's not good for her health so instead of saying you should wake up early and go to bed early I want to. Now you have your values. It's like, well, this is what's healthier for me. This is what Elisa VT has taught me in Flu Living, if you haven't listened to that episode. I get more done for the show. My brain's better. Yep. So you have your values, your reasons why. Mm -hmm. So when you wake up in the morning, you see that alarm clock. You're like actually excited because you know why you're doing it. That's what I'm taking away from this episode. It's really kind of the why for us and what makes us tick. That's going to help us. Um, All right, guys. We're very, very over our time today. But 
tomorrow we're going to be featuring the incredible Bishop Omar. You guys are going to love him. Uh, he's devoted his life and career to curbing gang violence and helping young people find alternatives to a rough lifestyle. He's going to teach us how to properly negotiate and create bridges so we can disagree respectfully. What a notion uh, with others and yet still find common ground. He is amazing. He is a must watch. You're going to be so inspired by him. I love, love, love him. So tune in tomorrow. In the meantime, follow us at Better Together with Maria at gmail.com at Damon Cart, at Jeffrey Crane Graham, at Kelsmeyer too. And remember, be nice people, make good choices, and be present.